What is up, everybody? Good morning. We got a special breaking news. Delo Cavalcante has been captured. So here's a uh, a picture of Cavalcante, the uh, sweatshirt that he had stolen. Um, this is him after his arrest, obviously. This is from USA Today, referencing Daniel Cavalcante's arrest or capture. It says Daniel Cavalcante, the convicted murderer who broke out of a Pennsylvania prison, was captured after an exhaustive manhunt of nearly two weeks. Pennsylvania police said on Wednesday, uh, the Pennsylvania State Police wrote on social media that Cavalcante was captured. Further details will be released at 9.30 a.m. news conference. The agency added it is now 9.38 Eastern time and it has not yet to start. So I'm sure they're just getting things in line. Cavalcante 34 escaped from Chester County Prison on August 31st while he was awaiting transfer to a state facility to serve his life sentence for the fatality stabbing of an ex-girlfriend in 2021. Prosecutors say he told her to stop her from telling police he was wanted in a 2017 in his native Brazil. So this guy has some bad news. He was, uh, at one point, he apparently had stolen a um, rifle, a 22, and went off into the to the woods. I, I don't know if there's any, any uh, signs of him being injured out of that. Doesn't appear so. Yeah, he's finally been finally being caught. Apparently, uh, somebody had saw him in the uh, woods, ducked down yesterday, and and they called it in. It was within the perimeter. They had him surrounded uh, for the last couple of days within uh, said perimeter, and they just needed to close in on him. And sometimes that takes a while. I know a lot of folks were getting antsy and getting onto law enforcement and things like that. But you know, this guy had a uh, pretty good head start. You know, the uh, guardsman at the watchtower that was supposed to be watching has been fired because he apparently took in a cell phone into the watchtower. And we can all assume that he was preoccupied uh, with his phone instead of watching his duties. And that's how the the inmate was able to escape. I think that when you see these images of him looking out towards the direction of the camera, I don't think he's looking at the camera. I think he's looking at uh, the watchtower guy. And I think that maybe perhaps they had noticed that the watchtower guard had been bringing in a phone or was looking down quite a bit, maybe even thought he was asleep, you know, throughout the day. And so when he was looking down, they gave him an opportunity to get out there. It's unfortunate. This is a lot of money exhausted, a lot of law enforcement and federal agent, you know, time and money and, you know, um, resources that were used as well. So it's finally over. I think he was on the run for like 13 days. The prison is very understaffed. No, I understand that. I understand that. And, you know, and, and I was talking with the guy, my wife, about this. And, you know, we were discussing, like, you know, when you're in a uh, prison guard duty and you work sometimes 10, 12 hours, if if your next shift your person that's supposed to relieve you doesn't show up, you have to stay there until somebody relieves you. And sometimes these uh, prison guards can work upwards to about 16 hours, 17 hours, and multiple days at a time. Now, I could have, you know, if this was a, a factor to why maybe perhaps he fell asleep or something, I would get that. I'd understand that. But I don't think that's the case Not in this situation. Knowing his background, I don't know why he hung around the same area. Was he thinking he had a network and realized too, too late that he didn't? Maybe. You know, I, I'm still still suspicious of the call that he made to his buddy or not, but the ring camera conversation he had with his buddy. His buddy went home, reviewed the tapes, the conversation that he had with him through the ring camera. And then he decided to call police. That that, that that's kind of stuck out to me. Maybe he did have, you know, somebody who maybe perhaps, you know, told him something in sarcasm. Like, hey, man, I'll do anything for you or anything. I got you, whatever. And maybe that's what he thought was going on and went out that direction. I don't know. He isn't going to have any privileges for a long. Yeah, I think so. A lot of the prisons are privately owned. There are a few that are, are state prisons. 
prison that are owned, you know, are manned by um, by the counties or the government, right? But like majority of the prisons that are larger, like Wackenhut owns a lot of them, Geo, stuff like that. And they do make quite a bit of money, enough so that they should have enough to pay, uh, you know, bigger staff. None yet. But there's more pictures of him. A lot of people were surprised that that he was alive. You know, they took him into custody. A lot of folks thought that, you know, he had a handgun or he had a rifle. You know, he was not going to be coming out. I wasn't on the uh, the narrative that just because this guy wasted so much time and, and taxpayer money that the cops were going to turn vigilante and, and put justice in their own hands and take care of him unless need be. You know, if there's a situation where you know, shots are fired first, you know, he had a scope on his rifle. So, if, you know, you're walking in and boom, a shot is fired from a certain direction. And, you know, those actions already been taken then yeah for sure but um just because he escaped and was on the run for days that's no reason for law enforcement to take you know justice into their own hands yes please hit that subscribe and notification bell if you're not already notified here are some images he does have a wound to his forehead they posed with him <laughs> hey, wait a minute i think i i think i know this guy that looks super familiar I've worked with Border Tech before, you know, um, once a long time ago. And this guy looks super familiar. The guy with the beard and the hat. So this is the, uh, these guys pulling him out. Man, I sure do hope so. I hope that they will have body cam footage of the, of the actual capture. I believe this happened like at 7 o'clock this morning or something like that. And he definitely looks quite a bit different, you know, without the facial hair and having lost so much weight. But if you look at the um, the outskirts of his of his mouth, I don't think he uh, he he did that like looking in a mirror or with all the time in the world. It appears that he still has like the out part of the mustache, or maybe that just maybe that's mud. Either way, he looks very different, very different. But again, this 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 one was this one was amazing. He was found in the perimeter. He was spotted several times on security cameras by eyewitnesses, but repeatedly eluded law enforcement. Monday night, he walked into the open garage. That was 40 miles northwest of Philadelphia, stole a rifle. Authorities closed the roads and released warning, uh, urging nearby residents to stay inside and lock their doors on Tuesday. Then local school districts canceled school twice. Police focused their pursuit on South Coventry Township, a rural area in the northern uh, Chester County, roughly about 20 miles northern of the north of the prison. Brown, the juvenile caller stated that no one was home with her. They disconnected on us. Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not sure why they're doing that. Unless they are checking for injuries on him. It's kinda weird. I hope it's not just because it's an eagle sweater and these guys are from nearby Philadelphia and they're like, this guy doesn't, you know, deserve to be wearing this. So let's put his sweater off. Or, and, and the other thing is too, he could have asked for it. He could have asked, can y'all cut this off? It's it's itching or something of that nature. Man, it's kind of weird. What are you guys' thoughts in the comment section about that? Karen, I think you could be right. I, I haven't seen so many of them, but it says, I think that the picture with the more bloody face is fake. Someone made it as a joke and everybody ran with it. The other pics clearly did not have that much blood. This is the new information from about 23 hours ago yesterday. It says at approximately 8 p.m., a motorist reported to law enforcement that a male was crouched near uh, the wood line on the south side of Fairview Road, west of Route 100. The motorist turned 
her vehicle and uh, to verify what was seen, but the individual had disappeared into the woods. And I believe this is the perimeter that they um, surrounded. So the troopers in the area began forming a perimeter around the sighted area. Border Patrol tactical team in the immediate, immediate vicinity went directly to the sighted area where they were discovered footprints in the mud, which were identical to the match to the prison shoes Cavalcante wore. A track was initiated, and shortly after finding the footprints, both prison shoes were located. Information was received from another resident in the immediate area that a pair of work boots had been stolen from a porch. The tracking of Daniello Cavalcante continued through northern in a northern direction at approximately 10 10 p.m a call was received from a resident on coventryville road indicating that a short hispanic male wearing dark pants and no had entered an open gate uh, open garage while the homeowner was inside the male grabbed a 22 rifle with a scope and was leaning on the corner of the garage the homeowner drew a pistol and fired at Cavalcante as he fled with the rifle. Pennsylvania State Police responded to a secured uh, and, and secured the scene immediately. At this time, a green sweatshirt and white T-shirt believed to have been worn by Cavalcante were discovered near the edge of the driveway. The perimeter was expanded to include that area. Overnight searches were conducted around the clock by tactical teams from multiple agencies, including the Pennsylvania State Police, Border Patrol, ATF, FBI, U.S. Marshals, and Chester County Law Enforcement. Aviation assets, canine units, mounted patrols, and numerous other assets have been uh, mobilized and uh, are currently being operated in the search area. The current, uh, the current perimeter includes PA-23 to the north, PA-100 to the east, Fairview and Nantmeal uh, roads to the south, and Iron Bridge and County Park Roads to the west. So it's been the same perimeter that they've had and for a couple of the days there, or since yesterday at least. And he was found in, in those locations, from my understanding. So these are from publicly buzzed. Uh, these are where they found him um, under this stack of logs. So he was hiding in this stack of logs here. They're showing the press conference. Thank you to the dedicated law, each and every one of you in the region. We want to thank you for your support of law enforcement for your support of this effort that led to this capture today. I hope the good people of Pennsylvania and indeed the folks all across this nation got a chance to see how government is supposed to work, how law enforcement is supposed to work, where we all come together, where we focus on the mission. And while the women and men up here behind me may wear different uniforms and different badges, we were here with common purpose, and that was to apprehend this suspect and keep people safe. Leading this effort has been the Pennsylvania State Police. And I know I'm gonna get booed by some of the folks behind me for saying this. I believe they are the finest law enforcement agency in the United States of America. And I could not be more proud to be the governor of this Commonwealth and to have the chance to serve in public service alongside these great leaders in the Pennsylvania State Police. Leading the effort for us is Colonel Christopher Paris, who did yeoman's work overseeing this operation together with Lieutenant Colonel Bivitz. All Pennsylvanians, gentlemen, are indebted to you for your bravery, for your courage, and for your tremendous leadership. And with that, it's my honor to bring up the Colonel of the Pennsylvania State Police, Colonel Christopher Paris. Thank you, Governor. I would like to make a few brief comments. I'd like to dedicate those comments to the victims of Cavalcante and their families. At the end of the day, all the people behind me here work for justice and for the victims. A close second to the people of Chester County. We appreciate your support and we appreciate the dedication that you and have shown us and the generosity that you have shown us. We are in your debt. Uh, this was a major operation. We know that it has affected your lives and we're very much uh, appreciative of that support. I'd like to thank the governor and his support of us, uh, not only with his physical presence, but his work in Harrisburg on a daily basis. I'd like to thank the Border Patrol, 
Customs, the FBI, the Marshals, the ATF, our federal partners, the Chester County District Attorney, Deb Ryan, and her Chief County Detective, Dave Sassa. Our municipal partners, too numerous to mention here in Chester, Montgomery, Delaware, and Bucks County. We could not have done this without without everyone. Uh, I would like to thank, from the bottom of our hearts, the members of the Pomar Lynn Fire Company. I know the media has been in and out of here. Uh, the hospitality that they have shown us, the logistics that you need to bring to bear in an operation like this, we, we would have been hard-pressed to do that without them being good hosts to us. Lastly, uh, but certainly not least in any way, shape, or form, to the women and men of the Pennsylvania State Police, thank you. Thank you for your hard work and your diligence. Um, this is my third manhunt with Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens. It's not lost on me that it was nine years to the day yesterday for the uh, Blooming Grove ambush. And in all of those... Uh, operational cycles. There is no person uh, who enjoys more of my trust and confidence. Uh, he was tasked with standing this operation up. My confidence in him is marrow deep. Uh, he is the consummate professional, and I would now like to turn it over to Lieutenant Colonel Bivens to give you the operational rundown of the capture of Cavalcante. Lieutenant Colonel Bivens. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Colonel. It is uh, a true pleasure to stand here this morning and uh, talk to all of you about uh, bringing this manhunt to successful conclusion and without getting anyone else hurt, most important. None of this would be possible without the support of this team, represented by uh, members of various agencies standing with us up here, by others standing throughout this fire hall, and by still more who are out there in the field. Let me give you a few details about how this unfolded. As you know, we have been uh, working most recently in a uh, perimeter established in Northern Chester County. Last night, shortly after midnight, a series of events started to unfold. First, we, uh, we had a uh, burglar alarm at a residence near Prizer Road within the perimeter. Uh, our people investigated that, did not, uh, did not find Cavalcante there or anyone else, but it, brought, it started to bring some of our people into that area. Uh, we had been searching an area not far from there already with some tactical teams that night. There was uh, an aircraft overhead utilizing uh, FLIR technology and uh, close to 1 a.m. picked up a heat signal that they began to track it was west of PA 100 and north of Prizer Road. Tactical teams began to converge on that location where the heat source was moving. Uh, unfortunately, we had a weather system that also came in and we had lightning that was flashing all around and it caused the aircraft to have to depart the area. Tactical teams made a decision to uh, secure that area, that smaller area as best they could and hold it through the storm and until uh, we could bring additional resources in and bring aircraft back overhead to ensure that we did not have uh, an issue with an escape. That resumed early this morning and shortly after 8 a.m., Tactical teams converged on the area where the uh, heat source was. They were able to move in very quietly. They had the element of surprise. Cavalcante did not realize he was surrounded until that had occurred. That did not stop him from trying to escape. He began to crawl through thick underbrush, taking his rifle with him as he went. One of the Customs and Border Control teams, Bortac, uh, had a dog with them. They released the dog. Some of our PSP CERT members were also there, had him surrounded. The dog sub subdued him and team members from both of those teams immediately moved in. He continued to resist, but was uh, forcibly taken into custody. No one was injured as a result of that. Excuse me. He did sustain uh, a minor bite wound. Uh, we had uh, medical uh, personnel at the scene, and they, uh, they took a look at that. Cavalcante 
was, as I said, taken into custody. He was transported to our Avondale station for further processing and interview, and he will ultimately be transferred to a state correctional institute where he will be housed and begin to serve his life sentence. In just a few minutes, I'll open this up to some questions, but I, uh, before I do that, I want to turn this over to one of our, our very close partners, District Attorney Deb Ryan. I know she would like to say a few words, and again, then we'll be happy to take your questions following that. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Bivens. Today is a great day here in Chester County. Our nightmare is finally over and the good guys won. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of the first responders for their tireless and dedicated efforts in bringing this fugitive to justice. They worked around the clock and we are deeply grateful to all of them. Our community can finally regain its normalcy and breathe a collective sigh of relief. This would not have happened without the collaboration and efforts on behalf of a multitude of agencies. I need to thank the governor, Colonel Paris, Lieutenant Colonel Bivens for his unflappable and dedicated leadership. The U.S. Marshals, the Chester County Detectives, the FBI, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, the Department of Emergency Services, the Sheriff's Department, and every single person who went out into the field in the most horrendous conditions. We had weather problems, we had terrain problems, and a, and a ton of obstacles that prevented our capture from occurring as, ex, as expediently as we wanted. We have the best people in the business, and we never lost faith that this capture would occur. We knew that it was just a matter of time. The scope of this manhunt was extremely impressive. The brave men and women who went, there, went out there every single day are our heroes. And I am proud to be a part of this collective team of, of people who worked around the clock to bring this man to justice during this monumental challenge. They utilized every piece of advanced technology, dogs, drones, helicopters, every asset available was put out for this capture. I can't express our gratitude deep enough to all of them and to the community for their support. We received dozens and dozens of donations, well wishes, and kind support from everyone in the community. And we thank this firehouse for housing us. We know we disrupted their lives for a while. One of the first calls we made upon learning about this capture was to the Brandau family, who, as you can imagine, had been living in a complete nightmare. They are so grateful to the men and women who helped with this capture. They can now finally sleep again. I can't thank law enforcement enough for their efforts. Thank you. Okay, with that, uh, we would be happy to take your questions. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm aware that there was a photo op that was uh, taken out there. Those uh, men and women worked amazingly hard through some very trying circumstances. They're proud of their work. I'm not bothered at all by the fact that they uh, took a photograph with him in custody. Again, they're proud of their work. They kept the community safe. Uh, I say thanks to them and good job. Sir, are you starting to say anything in the moment that he was captured and released the name of the canine officer during this capture? Uh, we will probably not be releasing uh, the name. Uh, and in terms of anything that he said, uh, we, we need to use an interpreter. And he has been taken back to the station. And, and at that point, uh, we will attempt to interview him at the Avondale station. Uh, I'm not aware of it. Uh, if he did, uh, I, I don't have that information. Your officers were authorized to use lethal force if he didn't actively surrender. Would you want to always take him in a lot? That's always our first uh first choice and preference. Uh, again, that option is only to prevent the escape of a very dangerous individual. Had they not been able to contain him, that would have remained an option. Sir, what was the arrest? Which organization? 
it was a combination. It was a combined group of uh, the Border Patrol and PSP. Yes. Wait, I'm sorry. You, you'd ask first. Uh, he was proned out. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I've not been told that he was asleep. I'm told that he was proned out trying to hide and then began to crawl away. It was in that uh, close proximity to that. Yes. Uh, no one was uh, assisting him at that point. Uh, that was the DEA, and that was a fixed-wing aircraft. Were you worried as, as law enforcement that you had a down the plane and there could be another chance for escape? I mean, that's obviously the plane had to land, but what kind of risk did that, did you have to calculate? Well, you know, as I've told you throughout this investigation, there are always things we have to contend with. Everything isn't scripted and doesn't go perfectly. And so it's just another challenge. Uh, worried, I don't think, is the word that I would use. Uh, we simply had to adapt. And so we secured that inner perimeter while always keeping our outer perimeter secure so that if he did manage to get out of that inner, we would box him in yet again. You know, I don't know that he was particularly skilled. He was desperate. And I've said that all along. You have an individual whose choice is go back to prison and spend the rest of your life in a place you don't want to be, continue to try and, and evade capture. He chose the evade capture. Um, he was in good shape, obviously uh, able to climb, as you saw, to get out of prison. But, uh, but ultimately, as I said all along, we had an amazing team assembled here, capabilities that are just very formidable. And, uh, and I was confident all along that he would eventually be captured. And, and ultimately, this team, and I credit all of them uh, for bringing together their collective experience, the resources, and being able to apply that and, and capture him. It's never easy to find someone who doesn't want to be found in a very large area. Sir, there was a, uh, previously you said you were reserving comment on anybody who's helping him throughout the search. I know you said no one helped him this morning. Can you say now that he's in custody whether he received help these last 13 days? Uh, there were people who were intent and intended to assist him. We had been successful, uh, to the best of my knowledge, we had been successful in preventing that assistance from reaching him. Is that a good assistance? Yes. There had been some frustrations and criticism from the public that this was stretching on. Now that it's over, do you consider this anything other than a success? No, it was absolutely a success. And I got to tell you, I think uh, by and large, the public stayed amazingly supportive. I had uh, some third grade students stop by yesterday and drop off letters and notes of support for all of these uh, responders. We put them out for, for them to see at uh, briefing time and things. That's the kind of support we saw from this community. There will always be criticism. There will always be people who think they can do this job better. And, and they're entitled to that opinion. Uh, what I would tell you is, again, I put my faith in this group of experts, this group of seasoned law enforcement professionals, the dedicated men and women, not only of the Pennsylvania State Police, but of all of the other partner agencies who went out there every day. I'll put my money on them any day of the week. And, and I believe the community supported them and continues to. We'll be discussing with the district attorney what, if any, charges uh, will be filed. But uh, for right now, again, there is a commitment and he is going to begin serving his life sentence at a state correctional institution. Uh, she is in the uh, deportation proceedings. That will proceed as had been initiated. I'm sorry? I do not. 
uh, just the clothing and things that he was wearing. Did he have time. He did not have an opportunity to, no, sir. Uh, I don't have an exact number, but uh, looking at the teams we were sending in there in the immediate vicinity was probably uh, 20 to 25. They were tactical. They were a tactical team. You would expect uh, camouflage, uh, full armor, uh, long rifles. Customs and Border Patrol is their BORTAC team out of El Paso, and then Pennsylvania State Police CERT. It's our special emergency response team. Yes. From that point, uh, probably five minutes. It played out fairly quickly. Uh, once they had identified him and moved in, he detected uh, uh, them at that point once they were already in position. And again, he started to crawl away and it played out very quickly then. Sir, what is the greatest lesson from this 14 uh, day now? You know, I, I don't know that there's any single lesson. I will tell you that I learned something from all of these. And, and, and as I told you before, I bring that experience to the next one. And so um, I just go back to it's all about the team. It's about assembling the right group of people, the right technology. Uh, the, the people with can-do attitudes who will stick with you through the investigation. And that's what we did. Uh, and it's worked well for us in the past, and I'm sure it will work well for us in the future. And the reason I'm not going to talk about that again, as I mentioned, we will be discussing with the district attorney whether there will be any additional charges. Uh, I don't expect that there will be on that aspect, but we want to have that discussion uh, before we uh, before we disclose anything else. No, I, I think he stopped because his, his uh, normal uh, pattern was to travel in the late evening, early or overnight hours, uh, whether he got tired or whatever, normally he typically didn't travel then later at night and he typically did not travel during the day unless we pushed him. And uh, we did have several instances of that where he was pushed and had to move, but uh, you know, he doesn't have night vision or anything like that, the type of technology that many of our operators had out there. And so uh, traversing rugged terrain is difficult to do. Uh, I, I believe uh, it was just easier for him to do in the, uh, late evening hours and late afternoon. Uh, I believe that's uh, that's what caused it. It was a scalp wound and, and uh, they believe pretty significantly. I'm told there was not any significant injury. No, I mean, all along, you know, we asked people to secure as best they could. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he was still able to acquire some of those things. Again, those are just some of the challenges we deal with in, in an investigation like this. Uh, our people rise to those challenges, and, and ultimately, uh, again, he was Lieutenant successfully Colonel, captured. I know that uh, you led the effort also uh, in July earlier this year when that was the state's defense chief. It was a chocolate lab that ultimately led to his arrest, and now here we are again. You're talking about a canine moving in and basically disabling Cabo Conte. Can you just kind of talk about the, the Sure. I mean, in the case of Trucker, or Tucker, he was kind of a civilian. Uh, I would say we deputized, uh, yeah, and brought him in. Uh, uh, he's now an honorary member of PSP, but uh, uh, lab. Uh, but he was not involved in this. That was in Warren that uh, Stone was referring to. Just, uh, you know, I, I, I believe it's a shepherd or a um, Mal Belgian Malinois.
um, just one minute, if I can come back to this gentleman, I, I apologize. Uh, in any event, uh, canines pay, play a very important role, not only for tracking, but also for um, just like in, in a circumstance like this, safely capturing someone. Far better that we're able to release a, a patrol dog like this and have them subdue the individual than have to use lethal force. So uh, again, our preference is always to use other means. Canines play a very important role. It was in the wooded area, again, west of west of PA 100 there. PA 100. No, that'll all be part of the interview we'll attempt to do. Uh, whether he'll talk to us or not, that's uh, obviously don't have the specific list of, of work locations. How long will he be at the Avondale Barracks? Uh, long enough for us to process him and however long a uh, an interview lasts with him. Uh, I don't expect it to be for a very extended period of time. And, and again, at that point, He'll be transported to an SCI. So, is there any concern that he would team up with another small man to step inside the trench coat or Astro style? No. You know, again, I didn't see the uh, this specific capture. What I would tell you is the way those dogs are trained is to simply um, uh, go to the person. They will uh, grab whatever is closest. For them to grab and then they are trained to detain that individual they don't they don't just keep biting and releasing or trying to cause additional injury they simply um, uh, grab onto and try and hold that person in place until officers can get there so that's why they're never released uh, you know at some great distance or unsupervised uh, there are officers close by who can then move in the handler can immediately pull the dog back off of the uh, they give them a command pull the dog back off and then officers take over he did you mentioned uh i don't have the name right now. not that i'm aware of yes Now, Border Patrol is trained in tracking and pursuing. From the time that an agent comes on duty assigned to the south, southwest border, they get lots of experience tracking and trailing people. And then with our, our technology and other resources, that just aids in the, the searches like uh, this this one. Different terrain than, than normally what you're working with, right? So Border Patrol is assigned to both the northern border and the southwest border. So we got training and experience in all types of terrain. We assisted uh, the state and federal, state and local partners with our resources, whether performing uh, observation at night, um, search searches during the day, searches during night, and then obviously we had our uh, our tactical teams here. We had a job to do, and that was to capture Cavalcante. And I had the absolute best team working on this. I'm proud to be associated with the Pennsylvania State Police and all the law enforcement uh, leaders who were behind me, federal, state, and local. We knew we had the best. We knew, as Colonel Bivens said multiple times, he was desperate and it was just a matter of time. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of them.
And I want to come back to two questions over here that are related uh, to Mr. Holden's question. Um, one was about the assets that we deployed beyond the people. I hope that the public takes great pride in the technology and the canines uh, and in all of the assets that were brought to bear here. We ask a lot of the public through their tax dollars to support the police, to support law enforcement at every level. And they got a front row seat here in Chester County and across Pennsylvania to see the extraordinary work not only these individuals do, but the great technology we're able to bring to bear to ultimately capture um, dangerous suspects like this. The public should take great pride in that. And then to the gentleman's question there in the suit, um, folks, whoever had their Eagles hoodie stolen, if you could let us know, I'll do my best to get you one of those new Kelly Green ones, okay? Governor, can I just ask you, two escapes uh, individuals from the same prison in the same, what do you say to people who live in this area and say, what is happening at the Chester County prison and what are you guys going to do moving forward, try and prevent this kind of thing from ever happening again? Here in Pennsylvania, our system may be a little different from other states. We have state correctional institutions and we have county jails. In this case, the Chester County Jail um, is run by Chester County officials. They'll answer uh, those questions as to what occurred and what changes are ultimately going to be made. Certainly, the State Department of Corrections will be here to assist um, in any reviews or in any other work that they need done to make sure that that facility is secured. They obviously have a lot of work to do there, um, and I'm confident under leadership of uh, Chairwoman Moskowitz and, uh, and District Attorney Ryan and other leaders in the county, they'll get that done. I can't, um, you know, put a price tag on it. We'll do our best to make sure that whatever can be tallied up is and is shared with the public at the state level. I can't speak for our local or federal partners. You mentioned the pattern of what time of day you were talking. Were there any other patterns that you picked up on that were being uh, there were there were a number of things that um, that we picked up on, and um, it, 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 he didn't follow the same pattern every single time. Um, seemed to like to travel uh, via creek beds. He liked other paths of less resistance: wood lines, power lines, gas lines, that type of thing. And that's actually fairly normal. Um, nobody wants to have to. Uh, uh, force their way through very heavy underbrush and things. Um, and, and again, I mentioned the time of day, but, uh, but all of that combined with some outstanding work and technology is really what, uh, what brought this to a Did successful conclusion. I will tell you that uh, we have been compiling a list, and I don't want to stand here right now because I will absolutely miss many. Um, some of those that you mentioned uh, have been outstanding supporters of us, and I thank them. Uh, we will publish a list of all um, who who'd helped us out because we are very, very appreciative. That level of support is really one of the things that allows our people to focus on the task at hand and, and to, you know, try and be successful even quicker than we might otherwise have to be. When I gave you all a tour of the facility in here, you know, I talked a lot about logistics and the support that's required to field a team of three, four or five or more hundred law enforcement officers out there. Uh, it, it takes a lot to, to put it out there. And so the help of all of those folks, the help of the average person who stopped by and dropped off a case of water, 
was very much appreciated, not only for the case of water, but also just for the kind thoughts of uh, and words of support that they always included when they dropped that off. Yes, as I said, uh, we always take a multifaceted approach. And so depending on the circumstances, there's always a contingency and we're always prepared to move in whatever direction we need to. I'm sorry. It was a DEA fixed wing aircraft. I believe that's South Covington. I would have to look at a map. We were operating in several townships there, but again, it was north of Prizer and west of PA 100. Where were you when this all happened? And do you have a personal feeling of satisfaction for 14 days of very long, hard work? How does this feel for you? I was here in the command post when the capture occurred. And uh, uh, yes, I'm, 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 I'm very uh, happy that this occurred and that no one was injured. You know, it brought a new level of danger for all of our people out here in the field when we knew that he obtained a firearm. And so uh, for me, the biggest sense of relief is that no one in the community was harmed and no law enforcement officer was harmed either. So that's that's really that's the win. No, I believe he was more mobile the entire time. We're not releasing that, uh, but it is going to be a state correctional uh, facility. And once uh, he is secure there, I believe uh, they will release uh, where he is being housed. Senator, you said that multiple people attempted, attempted to help him. Did he have any means of communication to reach out to those people and coordinate with them as to where he was? Uh, he did not at the time that, uh, that we captured him. Yes, ma'am. Well, as I addressed uh, a few minutes ago, yes, he had the firearm with him. Yes, he was a threat. He did not have an opportunity. I believe he was uh, taken by surprise. And I believe the canine played a large role in him not being able to utilize that firearm. What I would tell you is, again, that it is our last choice, our last preference to use lethal force. And so while there were other options, the team did the responsible thing, did what they're trained and what we expect, and they used other options and again, lethal force is always the last option. You know, I, we have the criminal investigators that have been involved in this, everything from the escape up through the time that um, that he has been on the run. I'm sure all of that will be uh, uh, included in their list of questions. Whether he'll choose to talk, I have no idea, and uh, and that will be his choice. Can you assure and guarantee the public that this man will not escape again? I can assure you he will not escape while he is in our custody. He will be turned over a state correctional institution. I have every confidence that they will be able to safely and securely house him as well. He was. Yes, sir. Uh, it was within the perimeter, and he would have been within a few hundred yards of the eastern edge of the perimeter. I would ask them the same thing that I asked this time, and that is, please don't come out and try to become involved like that. You take away, you potentially take away resources that would otherwise be spent on the search trying to deal with those individuals, and we don't want one of them to get hurt unintentionally. Okay.
uh, within a quarter mile. It wasn't it wasn't a burglary. It was an alarm, by the way. But it depends on whether he is cooperative and is interviewed. That could take minutes to hours, but uh, I, I don't have the answer uh, yet whether he's. Uh, I'm not aware of that. Sir, do we know if his sister and mother entered the country via Puerto Rico or Guatemala? I don't believe his mother is here, and um, I don't have that information immediately available here about where they entered. As I said, uh, his sister, though, is in the process of being deported now. Do you have time for more questions? Attorney yeah. Colonel, after everything that you've been through, seeing with Calvin Day, once that interpreter is there, do you plan on having a conversation with him, asking him anything about all this? No. The, uh, the investigators are quite competent. Uh, they'll gather the information that uh, we believe is important if they're able to. And uh, uh, I'm confident that, uh, uh, that everything we need will be gathered in that way. There's no reason for me to have a personal discussion with him. Well, I think it's a very bad idea, obviously. Uh, and, and we will be here should something like this occur again. We'll put the team back together and we'll be right back out after them. Okay? Thank you all. Thank you, everybody. And that's a wrap for the uh, press conference. Uh, they have captured uh, the escapee, Daniello Cavalcante, and will be uh, transported to state prison where he'll be uh, serving his, his uh, the remainder of his sentence. Um, good for the police department, good for Pennsylvania, good for, you know, the community and the, and the country itself. You know, having a guy as dangerous as Cavalcante out there on the loose is, um, it's not safe. You know, kind of this press conference kind of broke down some of the uh, the questions that we had that, you know, he did sustain some injury. He was bit by the dog. Um, he was not, he did not turn himself in. He was hiding in some logs and um, was prone. And apparently um, when he was captured, was still trying to evade police by crawling away. He's been arrested, y'all. The manhunt is over. The manhunt is over. A lot of questions were coming out of this case. Was he going to be able to, was he going to come out of this alive? And that was the big question for everybody. I'm glad he did. So that way he can serve his time in prison. I know there's a, you know, the debate, you know, taxpayers have to pay for, for his living and this and that. And I understand that aspect of it, you know, life without parole. And, you know, at his age, it's, it's, it's fitting as well. In my opinion, um, William says, how embarrassing for PA idiots. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think when it comes to this case, though, who's at fault the most? Probably the corrections officer who was preoccupied on his phone in the tower and didn't see um, Cavalcanti climb up to the roof and, and escape, allowing him to have quite a bit of time. Now, one thing that I've noticed and one thing that I've, um, I understand and know is that when they're searching somebody, and, and this is something that this police department also uh, indicated as well, is you can't just like run in the direction he was last seen. Right. You have to search the area, make sure he's not, you know, he didn't go 10 feet and then turn and, and hide in a bush somewhere. Right. So you have to search the area back and forth, make sure that everything is connected, is searched. So obviously it's going to be a little bit slower Now you're going to have, you don't want to push him in a direction of maybe some other law enforcement agencies uh, that are waiting on the other side. You know, which is something that he brought up as well. He's like, you know, the times that he had to move is when they pushed him to move. And that, that's exactly what that means is that the search is coming this way and there's no place for him to hide. So to move, you know, I think he got lucky a couple of times where he may have left an area like when they did the uh, basically the big search in the uh, off of Water Glen in that area where they had lights and 
police presence coming in from one direction and night vision to tactical officers coming in from another. I think he just got lucky that he wasn't in that area that time. And then, you know, you also have to remember the terrain that he's running into and stuff like that. Officers have to be smart. You know, it's kind of like in boxing. You know, you'll have a guy that's just kind of wailing and punching everywhere. You can't do that as a boxer. You have to be calm, cool, collective, you know, throughout the chaos and throughout everything and, and remain collective. And same thing in law enforcement. You can't run into something behind someone unless there's a an immediate danger in the area. Like if he had somebody with him, you know, then he had a hostage, things like that. But in most cases, you're supposed to wait for like backup and stuff. And so there's also the terrain, how far he may have been, you know what I mean, from where they spotted him, let's just say 30 yards away, already in the brush. You know, by the time the officer gets through the brush, he may have been nowhere to be seen. So there's a couple of factors that go into it. You know, there was some weather weather factors that played a, played a role where helicopters and things couldn't be out at, at specific nights. Um, heat played a role on certain certain tools they had, such as technology was were overheating the cameras, the the you know everything was overheating, and and then also the dogs were having heat exhaustion. So he had a lot of little factors that played into his favor that allowed him to be on the run a little bit longer. But I wouldn't say that the law enforcement they are idiots i just say that you know calicante got lucky in a lot of places they skipped the question about the body cam hmm. yeah that one i would like to know I, I definitely want to see that one i would like to see the the body cam footage interested to see how he got the uh the, all that blood on his face thank you alan i appreciate that a nice man says all prison facilities need to be designed to prevent crab walking up you know you would have thought that when they designed that building that because he's also a short guy right He's not, he's not very big. So an average guy is probably about eight, nine inches taller than this dude. Cause I think he's like five foot, you know, I think it would be even easier for somebody of average height to have crab walked that. So I don't understand what they were thinking when the design came to this facility that, Hey, we should make these walls that lead to the roof so close that a person could just, you know, with good physical ability could climb this thing. Like, y'all, thank y'all. Thank y'all. Well, that's going to do it for me right now. We are going to come back, me and Blue, later on tonight. we got a few things that we might be discussing. There's a uh, court hearing today referencing the cameras in the Brian Koberger case. We'll probably talk about that. Uh, we have some other things, a couple of celebrities that are a little bit in trouble with the law, things like that, stuff that's gone on. Don't want to miss it. Uh, check it out tonight. If you're still here, please hit that subscribe button while you're on your way out and that like button. Well, tonight, we'll see you then. Peace.